Howdy! Hey. Welcome back to Hot Pocalypse. I'm Andy and I'm under the sea. And I'm Josh and I'm underwater emotionally because I'm in Texas. Wow, that's, that's what happens in Texas. We're here to uh, d uh, discuss how and why we are all totally screwed. We're going to get to uh, reasons why we're all screwed this week. We're going to get to uh, reasons why climate change will mess with Texas. And we're going to get to uh, your questions and comments for a real live NASA employed climate scientist, though he's not here with NASA. And we are here with... Hotpocalypse. He's a comic who's chronically depressed and thinks we're doomed. He's a renowned climate scientist who crunched the numbers and knows we're doomed. Together, they're hoping to have a good time till it's over and tell you, we're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Hotpocalypse. Uh, Josh, that's our crazy intro sequence. Uh, it's very catchy. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's amazing. It really is gorgeous. Uh, Josh, uh, why don't you tell uh, our audience uh, why they should listen to you when you say that we're all doomed? Uh, well, um, I do work for NASA. Heard of it. Uh, and, and I study global warming. Um, although I should say that I, I don't speak for NASA on this podcast. Really, or ever. I don't really ever speak for NASA. That's, that's not your role there. You, you make things for NASA. No. That's right. Uh, and sure. I don't speak for NASA either because I have a restraining order. And uh, Josh comes oh. to his conclusions through the scientific method and research and data. I come to my conclusions by combining alcohol with antidepressants. But we both arrived at the same conclusion together, which is that we're all doomed. Every week we get together and we talk about it a little bit and have a drink. What you drinking there? It's early this morning, so I'm having a coffee from a horrible... Yeah, I'm having a, I'm having a coffee too, definitely. Uh, uh, we usually have booze, but uh, but I went with booze last night, so I need coffee today. <laughs> there it is. That's right. So Josh, <laughs> uh, I couldn't help but notice you look weird. Do I? You got, you've is got something, this thing. Uh, something this, wrong with my hair? Or? What's going on? Oh, these. Uh, well, uh, these are the glasses that belong to my alter ego, Climate Elvis. Climate Elvis, do tell. Yeah. He, he let me borrow him for a little while. Uh, yeah, Climate Elvis uh, is a character that I, I created to uh, to talk about climate change um, uh, to, to kids. Um, and then he's basically, well, I mean, he's basically Elvis, but he, he knows about the climate. When I try and describe Josh to people, I, I, there's, there's two ways that you can go with this. One is that he's sort of the Indiana Jones of climate science because he's always hopping on planes and going places and dropping things and shooting lasers at continents. And he's also sort of uh, the uh, Howie Mandel of climate science. He embodies a, a, a bunch of wonderful characters and uh, explains things to people. But, but Josh, you're doing this for a very specific reason. Uh, it's I, entertainment, correct? That's exactly right. You know, uh, I, I like to talk about climate change because it's what I study and, and people are interested in it. But I, I like to do it in a way that uh, uh, people can relate to. And apparently, um, uh, impersonating a doughy, middle-aged white man with sideburns and a lot of hair is an effective uh, means of that. It'd be it'd be weirder if you were going with like ASAP Rocky or uh, yeah, right. those would be weirder alter egos for you to try and inhabit. But I am told that we have a uh, a clip of uh, of Climate Elvis at work. Uh, in order for oh. people to appreciate the depth of weirdness that is going on here, I think we need to check out this clip. Is, is that okay, Josh? Oh, please, please do. 
Sunday on Sunday, high 73. Monday rain was pouring down on me. Tuesday was cold, I almost froze my toes. But what's it gonna be next week? Who knows? That's weather. Oh, that's the weather you got. Uh-huh. But you take a bunch of weather and you average it together and you do in the climate rock. A climate is the average of the weather you see. The critters and plants all know where to be. A cactus can't live in the tropical rain. And polar bears don't dig by rain. That's climate. Wait a minute. So, are you saying that plants and animals know about climate too? Well, that's right, little Miss Jane Goodall. Every living thing on Earth is adapted to the very specific climate that it lives in. Wow, that's wild. That's not just wild. That's climate. Oh, that's the climate you got, maybe. You take a bunch of weather and you average it together and you're doing the climate rock. Hello, hello, Josh. That is so <laughs> delightful. That girl, that little girl transformed magically. I, I know, right? Uh, uh, Tessa uh, uh, Espinola, a, a fantastic actress, much, much more talented than myself, uh, was hit by the the magic uh, uh, Elvis. It's it's a wand. like it's like in those uh, '80s heavy metal videos when the little girl gets or the little boy or girl gets hit by a guitar and then turns into a rock star that's rocking out in front of a big <laughs> industrial fan. It was that sort of vibe. I loved it. Thank you, thank you. We uh, we had a, a whole lot of fun shooting that. Uh, there's a little bit on Hollywood Boulevard, and if you Google Climate Elvis right now, uh, you can watch the whole video and uh, share it with your friends and your enemies and uh, uh, anybody else that you uh, that you want to learn about climate. All right, they'll uh, they'll. they'll... For SEO, they're going to have to compete with all the other climate elvises out there, but they'll be able to find this climate elvis <laughs> in particular and, uh, and watch that's that right. stuff. Uh, that's great, Josh. Uh, I, I feel like uh, you are a by any means guy in terms of getting the word out about climate, and I respect that. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, I feel like you're a, a, a brilliant, uh, misunderstood comedian, Andy. Josh and I are giving each other handies <laughs> over the wire right now because we can. Hey, Josh, let's get into this week, particular reasons why we're all screwed, shall we? We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Catch Man, I love that. Just a reminder, we're gonna be checking the uh, comments. Uh, look for, uh, on the Being Liberal site, uh, if you want to leave a comment right there, we will read them in just a moment. And, uh, but to start off with, let's, let's start off with reasons why we're screwed this week. Rip from the headlines, Josh, what do you got first? Well, uh, this week actually uh, is, is kind of interesting because uh, every January, the, uh, uh, the, uh, this um, group of atomic scientists puts out a bulletin and they set the, uh, uh, the doomsday clock. Um, this is a clock that measures basically how close humanity is to uh, annihilating itself. Uh, that uh, time is midnight. It was uh, created in the 50s during the Cold War when um, uh, literal nuclear annihilation seemed like it was uh, a, a daily concern. And um, last year it was moved to two minutes till midnight, which is as close to midnight as it's been since, uh, since the 50s, since the Cold War. And um, this year, uh, the scientists actually kept it at two minutes to midnight. Um, and now, uh, originally, it was just about nuclear annihilation, but 
Uh, more recently, it's, uh, it's, they've also started to look at climate change as being uh, a major issue in terms of uh, human annihilation. And uh, so they kept it at two minutes to midnight, in part because um, climate change talks and, and uh, people's um, uh, uh, inability to kind of grapple with this situation seem pretty dire right now. Uh, that is very foreboding indeed, and it's uh, also remarkable, like, uh, that clock was originally uh, created because of uh, the threat of nuclear war. Uh, now we've got the threat of nuclear war and uh, climate change imminent. So we haven't uh, solved the one problem. We've just kind of moved on to the next one, right? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, nuclear proliferation is kind of also becoming uh, another issue again. Uh, the United States pulled out of one of the big treaties, a uh, recent big treaty. And so, you know, it wasn't a perfect treaty, but it was at least trying to to avoid more nuclear weapons being produced. And so uh, that was another reason they, they kept the clock uh, close to two minutes, close, so close to midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that is a uh, unfortunate news indeed. And this is this is why we drink. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so Sometimes coffee. Another thing that we're looking at this week that just came out, this is in Grist, which is a fine publication, uh, one of those online publications you've heard so much about. Check out Grist for all your uh, environmental news. It's, it's, uh, they do a really good job. They had a really interesting article this week about your cell phone and that many people use their cell phone uh, as, as a, uh, a sort of backup in case of emergency. Why, well, it's got a radio on it. It's got, uh, I can get all my news on there and all my updates and communicate with folks. It was kind of a reminder from Grist, what we probably should know, is that uh, our cell phones will not save us uh, from the uh, climate disasters and whatnot. Uh, in times of emergency, they're actually uh, really just terrible flashlights uh, because they're, they're inefficient. They're not very good at being a flashlight. They'll use up their battery very quickly, and they're not good for anything else. So uh, just a reminder, if you live in California, uh, we have seen recently just how terrible and uh, brutal the effects of climate change can be very personally here. Uh, so if you live in California, you're probably like me and my wife, we have recently got uh, bottled water, we got uh, canned food, and we got uh, a one of those crank up radios that also is a flashlight. Uh, I believe that's recommended by uh, FEMA uh, uh, in order uh, that everyone should have these things, especially because FEMA seems to be shutting down with the rest of the government right now. So uh, in terms of we're all going to die, I'd like to move that clock up maybe just a second closer, uh, thanks to uh, shut down. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, so that's yeah. uh, I think the you know, reason why we're all screwed this week is, uh, is we can't use our phones when this uh, S goes down. I mean, you know, you, you could still use your phone to uh, uh, take a video of your last moments yeah, you could, uh, you could and to leave for posterity. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's an excellent use. Uh, and what, what better way to leave the earth at this point in hi human history than uh, with a bunch of likes? Right, exactly. That's right. Instagram that stuff. Definitely. Uh, what's number three, Joshua? Uh, well, uh, Sir David Attenborough, uh, famous um, British naturalist and uh, uh, person with one of the most beautiful speaking voices, um, uh, said this week that the uh, uh, um, the Garden of Eden is is over, essentially in reference uh, to the planet's uh, Holocene, which is the most recent period since the end of the last ice age. Uh, the Holocene um, was a period of relative climate stability. It's when our civilizations were founded, when we were able to start farming and doing uh, all this, uh, you know, creating um, uh, nations and, 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 and iPhones and so forth. 
Um, and that's ended. We are now in a new uh, geologic era called the Anthropocene, the period when humans and human activity are uh, the largest drivers um, in, uh, uh, in terms of forcing the Earth's climate and, and changing the world. And, and he very pointedly noted that, in fact, he was born uh, during the previous geologic era, during the Holocene. Some folks, there's a little debate about exactly when the transition is. Uh, some folks say uh, 1950 is, uh, uh, is about the time of the transition uh, because that's uh, after that global temperatures started to rise very rapidly. Uh, all the nuclear testing left behind traces uh, uh, in the atmosphere and, and geologic records that will be uh, uh, visible to future uh, uh, future scientists looking back. So uh, 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 here's here's to uh, the end of the Holocene. Here's to the end of the Holocene, you guys. We did it. Uh, we got we got our yeah. era, so that's the good news. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now, is there any thought uh, by these these folks in terms of what the next uh, Pocene will be? Uh, what what will the next era be? Andy, I think it's going to be hot apocalypse. Cheers. Cheers. That's uh, that's uh, that's yeah. how big this vidcast is getting you guys. It's crazy. We did it. The the last thing that I think we wanted to talk about in terms of reasons why particularly this week we are all screwed uh, is that uh, we have learned even more about Antarctica this week. And uh, we talked a little bit about this with Joshua uh, last week is that uh, Antarctica is uh, melting at a much faster rate than anyone thought. And uh, you might be, you might think, uh, hey, Andy, I already knew that. But uh, I'm sorry, dear reader, you may be thinking of the fact that we just found out that Greenland was uh, melting faster than we thought it was. That was, uh, I think, two weeks ago. So catch up. We're now talking about Antarctica, the current disaster and the current reason uh, why we're uh, facing such troubles. And Joshua, why are we discovering all this stuff about Antarctica just now? Why are we just learning about its uh, rapid rate of decline? Well, um, Antarctica, of course, is it's it's really uh, it's on the bottom of the earth. Uh, it's a very harsh environment to work in. It's difficult to go there. And uh, scientists haven't been you know, we, we haven't had as much uh, uh, ability to study it until until fairly recently. Um, and it's also thought that it's it's only in the last 20 or, or 30, maybe 40 years um, when it's become uh, a, a huge uh, signal in terms of melting and causing sea level rise. Um, there, one of the studies that came out recently suggested that the uh, rate of uh, ice loss in Antarctica today is six times as fast as it was 40 years ago. Uh, so it started to change very, very rapidly, um, but also very spectacularly. Uh, there are these huge ice shelves that float out over the ocean, and uh, a few of them have started to break up. Um, and uh, there was some recent work that suggests maybe the Ross Ice Shelf, uh, which is one of the really big ones holding back huge glaciers, uh, may also be starting to uh, look a little dicey. The, uh, the Ross Ice Shelf. I, right. I just think it's the exciting Ross they're Ice naming Shelf. them after characters of, from uh, Friends. I think that's great. <laughs> and it wouldn't be Ross. Yeah. He's the sensitive one. Of course he's going to be the one that breaks off, right? Absolutely. He's so yeah. Miranda. Yeah. I don't even know what that reference means. I'm just throwing <laughs> that one out. Uh, you know, uh, one of the ice shelves that, uh, that broke up a few years back, uh, the uh, Larson B Ice Shelf, um, they've actually since gone back and, and drilled sediment cores underneath where it used to be. And they figured out that it was there for at least 10,000 years. Wow. So it's uh, it's the only thing to break up that's older than Hugh Hefner in, in the recent period. Boom! 
boom. <laughs> Hugh, you've been satirized. I think he's dead, but you might, yes, he's been satirized. He is. I feel bad saying Don't that. Don't hold but back, he did Josh. Break up very late in uh, on fire. Okay, great. That's uh, those. Are, that's the reasons why you should be terrified this week. We'll get back to you with some more next week. Uh, and Josh, I think that we're going to hear a little bit more right now. Uh, we've got a sponsor. Isn't that exciting? Wow. Yeah, Josh. Like these, this sort of production value. Uh, where I'm actually underwater right now. Uh, this this doesn't come easy or cheaply. This uh, th this has to have big money behind it, and we've got a big corporate sponsor uh, that's going to speak to us right now. Are you excited, yeah. Josh? I am excited. You know, every week I'm I'm amazed by the exact same fact that we have a sponsor. It's it's unbelievable that people want to pay for this yeah. uh, claptrap. But uh, here we go. Let's see them and please please purchase their products. BP wants you to know we're still in the Gulf. Uh, there's fishing in Mississippi. There's shrimp in Louisiana. You know what sucks about shrimp? Eyes. Ooh, eyes. I don't want anything looking at me when I'm eating it. Now the Gulf features eyeless shrimp. With 100% less eyes. Since BP poured oil and dispersant into the water, things just got awesomer. Ooh, sounds exotic. Best of all, scientists say it's probably completely healthy and probably fine to eat. Come to the golf and see what BP's been up to. We're spending big money on ads to remind you. BP never left. Now we'd like a f***ing cookie or something. BP, we're still slathered all over the golf, and now we'd like a f***ing cookie or something. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Thanks to the you good folks at BP. Wow, they really are beyond petroleum now, aren't they? That's amazing. I'd really like a bleeping cookie, too, actually, <laughs> if you got one. By the way, yeah. I, speaking of getting a cookie, I, I have not cursed this entire episode. Uh, as uh, <laughs> Good job, Andy. As Way to go, buddy. An arrangement with our uh, production team, and uh, I don't know if I'm providing good information, but I am providing zero F-bombs, and I, I would like the effing cookie. <laughs> you deserve one. Hey, thanks, Definitely. buddy. Thanks. That's a, a real scientist said that. Write it down. Uh, so, Josh, <laughs> let's get into, if you will, uh, sort of the meat of our episode right now which is uh, uh, Texas. You're in Texas, yeah. you're from Texas, you're of Texas. Uh, I'm from Indiana, which basically is like uh, Texas before they flattened it out. Same, same people, <laughs> same vibe, prom I promise you. But uh, let's get into how climate change will mess with Texas. Production values. Eat wow. that. Pod Save America. <laughs> Bite it. Bite it. Okay, uh, Josh, uh, so, so talk to me about Texas. Texas is a very particular place when it comes to uh, climate change, and why is that? Well, yeah, I, uh, I've returned to my homeland, mm. Andy, as they say, and uh, although I like to mess with Texas, I am from here, so if you're from Texas, it doesn't mean that I, I automatically hate you. I, I That's big of you, Josh. Thank you. It took a lot to say that. I appreciate it. Um, no, but really, uh, Texas is uh, is a huge state for one thing. So it has all kinds of different climates, but also it uh, uh, it's it's going to get hot. You know, Texas is kind of kind of famous for getting hot, and uh, it's it's definitely going to continue to get hotter and hotter. Um, but it's it's also kind of unique because it suffers from sort of every as it has the it has the potential to suffer from sort of every aspect of climate change. Uh. So, yeah, uh, increased uh, intensity of storms, for example, uh, you know, um, Hurricane Harvey hit Texas really hard 
uh, just a couple of years ago. And uh, scientists do predict that hurricane intensities will continue to uh, increase. Now, there's not a lot of evidence that the amount of hurricanes will increase, but definitely the strength of the storms will increase. Uh, they'll, as the atmosphere gets warmer, it can hold more and more water. And so the uh, storm can get more intense, but it can also, um, it can also uh, uh, drop more rain. And the real issue with Hurricane Harvey uh, wasn't so much that it was intense, it was that it stayed parked on top of the same spot, pulling water out of the Gulf and dumping it uh, on the Houston area, uh, really uh, it, almost exactly where I'm sitting right now. Um, and there was there were just devastating floods, um, uh, some of which the city is still trying to recover from. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've got a I've got relatives in Houston. And, uh, it's that has really been devastating for them. I don't think uh, there's a lot of appreciation for just how just how bad that was and just how how uh, far the uh, the problems go. And, and Josh, it's, it's also interesting because Texas, while suffering from these uh, effects of climate change, also sort of has an outsized footprint. Uh, in the ways that climate change happens and the reasons for climate change. One of those is, is fairly obvious, the petroleum industry and, 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 and the production of oil. And, uh, and the other might not be as obvious to folks. Am I right? Uh, yeah. Do you know where uh, I'm going you know, with this? Uh, I, I do. I know exactly <laughs> you where you're going, Andy. <laughs> do you know where you're I going? <laughs> I never knew, Josh. That's why you're here. <laughs> no, uh, you know, um, the other another, of course, uh, increasing temperatures and uh, worsening drought is another is another issue. And Texas is so big. You know, there's kind of a, the coastal zone where you're affected by sea level rise. Um, and then farther in, there's a potential to have increasing droughts. Mm. And Texas is so big that it covers uh, both these kinds of areas. And uh, droughts are, are, are devastating, uh, but they're also really bad for cattle. Um, it turns out that uh, cows <laughs> need to drink a lot of water, um, and just like people, they uh, they don't do well when it's uh, when it's too hot. And so, actually, uh, Texas beef production is uh, is potentially uh, going to be impacted as the climate continues to heat up and and uh, uh, Texas deals with worsening droughts and higher temperatures. We talked uh, last week, I think, about how coffee is being impacted by climate change. Uh, it, it would seem that uh, all aspects of our diet are, uh, are uh, capable of being hit by this, but barbecue might be one of the first to go. That's, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, certainly the price of beef is going to go up as, uh, as it gets harder to, uh, uh, to manage. And, and, you know, there's already some uh, export of that industry out of Texas uh, into Oklahoma and places that are farther north um, as, you know, uh, uh, as temperatures increase, you know, of course, the farther north you go, um, it's not quite as bad, uh, or, or the, the climate's a little cooler. So I knew that. There's already knew that some already. export of the beef industry. Yeah. Uh, so very good. I, I, uh, first of all, uh, our comment section lit up when cows hit the screen. Uh, people are very excited about the cows, and I and I can't say I disagree. I think cows are very uh, very fun to look at, and uh, I just like somebody yeah. just wrote moo, and I appreciate that because I, I agree. yeah. That's uh, my so, so yeah, so so, so Texas is really uh, a unique place that way. It's it's also sort of as much part of the problem as it is a victim of the problem uh, in sort of these outsized sort of ways because everything really is bigger in Texas. Um, 
Let's, uh, one other thing that I, I wanted to talk to, uh, can we get a little bit into the surging seas aspect of this? Uh, you deal so much with uh, sea level rise. As we talked about last week, the, the effects of sea level rise are much worse than like I thought it was potentially. You were talking about hundreds, hundreds of feet of potential climb, uh, sea level rise. What does Texas look like under these scenarios? Yeah, well, uh, it's not it's not hundreds of feet of rise, but it's hundreds of feet of uh, of beach loss for uh, just a small oh, amount I of see, rise, and it's a uh, it's not just beach. So Texas, of course, has a huge coastline, um, and uh, a lot of it is um, is wetland areas, uh, and these wetland areas, of course, are threatened by the rising seas. Now, uh, wetlands are are places where um, the uh, 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 the plant life and um, the ecosystem can actually adapt to uh, to rising seas as long as it doesn't happen too quickly. And um, Texas's uh, Texas's coastlines are um, uh, uh, in some ways managed, in some ways um, uh, groomed, and it's going to be a real challenge as the oceans rise to keep. Uh, all the wetlands alive, um, which of course are not just threatened by the rising seas, but also by development. Uh, and then uh, also our coastal communities, which uh, literally have um, uh, literally uh, have the potential to be submerged as the as the as the levels rise. So Texas Texas coastline is really um, uh, uh, a huge area. So you, you can see on the surging seas map. Remember we talked about this website. Uh, climatecentral.org has uh, uh, an app where you can go zoom in and uh, Houston is there. We started in Houston and now we're zooming into Galveston, which is right down the coast here. Um, Galveston uh, has a lot of areas which will be affected with just one or two or three feet of sea level rise. Uh, and honestly, three feet of sea level rise is uh, almost a certainty by the end of the century. And if you zoom in, you can actually see that the airport in Galveston uh, with three or four, three or four feet of sea level rise, um, will be flooded. Um, Damn. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a potentially um, a, a real uh, huge issue here in Texas is sea level rise. Uh, it's also a, I have terrible news, Joshua. It's also a huge issue now in Los Angeles. If you can see behind me, uh, it's going to be different when you get back. Things have changed. Andy, Andy, I, 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 you know what's amazing is that your hair gel is still like keeping everything in place underwater there. You know, thank you for saying. I think I'm having a pretty good hair day on this on this episode. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. pleased with it. It might be the angle. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Josh, I, I just saw an interesting comment on our feed that I, I want to hit real quick uh, because uh, I, I think it's uh, controversial but compelling. It says that uh, the effects of climate change are directly proportional to your wealth. And I, I think that can be taken uh, one of two different ways. One is that if you are wealthy, uh, you are more uh, susceptible to the effects of climate change, which I would contest. Uh, but uh, another way to look at that is that, uh, that economic development does in fact spur climate change, and that's one of the sort of conundrums that we find ourselves in. Uh, it, it, does that match up with your understanding of the numbers? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, the, the more you consume, the more energy you use, uh, the the bigger your sort of footprint in terms of the uh, the CO2 that you're putting in the atmosphere. Um, but actually, in terms of the impacts, I would say it's inversely proportional. Yes. So uh, people who have uh, less wealth, especially um, uh, poor countries that have a lot of people who live on the coastlines, um, uh, you know, some very small nations in the in the Pacific, these small island nations, 
uh, could actually are actually facing the threat of being entirely wiped out by climate change. Essentially, their entire uh, island could uh, be submerged. So uh, poorer nations uh, and poorer people, even in this nation, uh, have a lot harder time dealing with these uh, with these impacts than than wealthier ones. Indeed. Uh, and here's an interesting uh, comment I'm seeing from uh, one Clifton Neely. And I'm, I apologize we haven't got to more of your comments. We're, we're trying to work those in here. Uh, I live in Texas and I noticed the climate change. I clearly remember 30 years ago in October when in Dallas, Austin, San Antonio were much colder and uh, with ice covering the streets. Today, 30 years later, October is sunny and warm. And you know, I, I know this is anecdotal and this is not the way science works, but uh, I certainly feel like I see that everywhere I go. People talk about the, the winters are different, uh, falls are different, the, the seasons are changing uh, just in my uh, personal memory as opposed to like sort of geological time. Uh, and, and I know I'm speaking very broadly here, uh, but, but would you be able to speak to that? Does the data back that, those sorts of observations up? Because I know that's just anecdotes and not real evidence. But, but is, that, that is, is that sort of change happening before our eyes? Is that uh, backed by data? Yeah, it, it is. In fact, the uh, uh, 30 years is sort of the length of time over which you, you can really start to tell. Um, and what's interesting is that that wasn't actually true 30 years ago. Um, the, the climate has started changing really in the last 30 or 40 years very, very rapidly. Um, you know, if you, if you go back to the 70s or 80s, uh, it was really just starting to begin to warm. I mean, it was measurable. We could see it. We could tell, uh, uh, you know, with careful long instrument, instrument records. But today, it's it's becoming more and more obvious. And so uh, people who remember uh, the climate of 30 years ago, uh, uh, certainly it's it's changed. Uh, in fact, I, I like to think of it this way, that essentially every decade on the planet, we're creating a new climate. So the climate that we had uh, of the 80s and 90s uh, were different from the noughties and uh, this decade, whatever you want to call it. Did you call it, it the noughties? Um, that's right, the noughties. Ooh. Yeah, the noughties, not zero. <laughs> oh, two, oh, three, that's right. <laughs> uh, I love it, I love it. Uh, and, and you know, uh, one thing that, uh, that strikes me also about Texas is that Texas has been something of an experiment in terms of policy. Uh, in terms of uh, deregulation has been, been such a central theme of Texas politics for uh, decades now, of uh, get government out of our lives. Uh, sorry, that's an Indiana accent, not a Texas accent. But, but people <laughs> wanting uh, government out of their lives and regulations out of businesses. And uh, Rick Perry used to call this his Texas miracle. Uh, have you heard of this, this Texas miracle? Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not quite as up on my Texas news as I used to be, but, but tell me more. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I think we've got an old commercial we can watch. Uh, is, uh, is, is that Check it out. Have you checked out the Texas miracle lately? Check it out, partners. Rick Perry thinks big, so we're a state and an economy on the grow. And Texas has slashed its budgets, cutting things like wildfire protection that were just sitting there in the first place without... <laughs> Rick Perry's Texas Miracle. Our cheap export is irony. Come for the miracle, Steve. Josh, I fooled you. I fooled you. That was a, that was a sketch, uh, a, a bit of sketch comedy that I did. Uh, I call that the Rosacea era. Do you know why I call it that? <laughs> Brilliant. 
Brilliant, Andy. Uh, I, I never get tired of watching uh, your your sketches. They're hilarious. Hey, thanks, buddy. Uh, I think the whole complexion of the argument has changed since then. Uh, I, use, I started using Metrogel. It's helped a lot. Uh, <laughs> So uh, now let's uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, hit some more audience uh, questions and comments here. But uh, let's talk a little bit just about uh, what Texas is doing and uh, what we're doing to respond to these situations in Texas. What 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 is the future of solar renewables? Uh, uh, these sorts of ways to address that looking like in, like in Texas right now. Well, yeah, you know, uh, Texas has a lot of uh, opportunities for addressing climate change too. Uh, there's a lot of impacts. Uh, but, um, you know, being being such a big state, uh, there's a lot going on. And um, wind power is actually uh, really, really important. Uh, T. Boone Pickens very famously here. Uh, uh, I know, right? Um, <laughs> everything's big in Texas, including our names, right? Um, but uh, w w wind, uh, wind farms and the development of uh, wind as a, as a significant source of energy uh, uh, Texas is really on the forefront. You know, we've had wind in California for for quite a long time. We've had some windy spots, uh, but uh, here in Texas, they've done a lot of uh, 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 development of new uh, new windmills like this. These gigantic windmills where the uh, uh, the blades are uh, uh, fifty or, or or feet fifty long, fifty feet long, or whatever. I don't know. They're big huge. Ass blades. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So these are these are uh, really becoming important uh, in Texas. And so Texas is actually one of the leaders in development of new uh, wind energy. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, that's quite that is quite a turnaround. And and it, and it seems like that uh, we're starting to see something here. Uh, and this this will make my uh, fellow uh, leftists very uh, upset with me, I think. But we're starting to see. Uh, capitalism kind of turned on this issue in the sense that it has been much more profitable to do coal and things like this up till now. But now we're seeing the point where uh, these cost curves are starting to uh, to cross over each other, whereas coal is getting uh, more expensive than solar and wind and these renewables. And that's the kind of shift that I think Texas can relate to. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and um, it has a lot of room to grow. Uh, another big uh, potential um, growth area in Texas is solar. Uh, you know, there, there, I don't think there's a ton of solar here right now, but there's a lot of uh, capacity for solar. It's hot, it's sunny, <laughs> there's a lot of sun in Texas. And I think it actually has the most uh, capacity for solar energy production of any state. So it's so um, big, Josh. It's, uh, there's all that space just well, lying around. I, I know, I know, <laughs> you know. The wide open range. The wide open uh, range. So, uh, George W. <laughs> yeah. Bush has been clearing all that brush from these trails for so long. Now there's room for solar. That's right. <laughs> that is very promising for the future. Uh, a lot of uh, great comments. Uh, uh, one that uh, that struck me just now is uh, uh, Texas is going to deal with climate change the only way Texas knows, deals, knows how to deal with anything by threatening to succeed to uh, I'm pardon to succeed. Uh, <laughs> I, by the way, if Texas wants yeah. to secede, uh, please don't let Oklahoma hit you in the ass on the way out. That's all I have to say, Josh. You've been saving that one for years. I, I literally have. That was good. Just for this moment, when I can break that bit out. Uh, so uh, I, I want to. Uh, I, I think we should start moving towards a conclusion. We're getting towards that uh, that time in the day. 
But uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, wrap it up with a few summary comments and perhaps a few comments from our, uh, from our listeners. But Josh, uh, if you could just hit us with your thoughts on uh, sort of the state of things generally in Texas. Uh, is, is there hope for, uh, for a survivable Houston, say, uh, 50 years from now, <laughs> 75 years from now? What would that look like? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey hit Houston uh, incredibly hard. And I think there's, uh, you know, I, I think there's a growing awareness that um, uh, climate change is real, that it's having an impact. Um, and then uh, the big thing, I think, too, is uh, 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 that the growing business opportunities like we talked about, you know, uh, T. Boone Pickens putting all those solar solar uh, those wind farms out. <laughs> that's a, that's a big deal. So I, I think we really have a there's a lot of potential for Texas to to do a lot of good in terms of addressing climate change. So, right. Uh, I'll stay a little optimistic. Uh, by the way, T. Boone Pickens, very wealthy man. Apparently not wealthy enough to get that name changed. That is a shame. No. <laughs> you should start a GoFundMe or the like. Uh, Josh, I, I want to throw this out here. I, I saw that the uh, current administration, such as they are, is uh, is is talking about taking money away from uh, uh, from things like uh, protecting forests uh, here in California, uh, protecting... Uh, 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 the the Gulf area from the effects of sea rise and taking that and putting it towards a wall. I don't know if you've heard about this idea that uh, our president would apparently like to build a wall. Don't know if you've heard about that uh, on the southern border. Uh, Josh, let me propose that there might be a better place for a wall. Yeah, uh, to keep out the sea. Yeah, a, a sea <laughs> wall, right? Those are wall. Great. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know, uh, the sea level is definitely rising. Um, and of course, this is exactly the wrong time, in my opinion, to be taking money away from uh, things that help us prepare and deal with uh, with climate change. Um, you know, because uh, we have to, of course, we definitely have to try and avoid the worst uh, increases in CO2, and we have to start trying to decrease our carbon footprint. But we also are going to have to deal with a certain amount of climate change. There's some that's already in the pipeline that we can't help. And uh, it's definitely the wrong time to be uh, trying to take money away from protecting us from natural disasters. Gosh, well said. Uh, build the wall, the seawall. Uh, maybe <laughs> the seawall. We should exactly. tell uh, Stephen Miller and his little gang of horribles that uh, that uh, that sea monkeys are coming in across the border. We, we got to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to come and take our jobs. Uh, but so uh, I think that that is uh, getting us to the end of our week. And so, Josh, maybe we can just summarize things. Uh, I would like to toast to everyone who's left a message. We've got a, we've got a bunch of, uh, of comments. We, we've tried to get to some here on, on air, as it were, but we're going to try and get to some uh, in text. We really appreciate you being here. We appreciate you leaving comments. Uh, we're going to continue this discussion uh, weekly and try and explore the ways uh, why we're all doomed. How you feeling, Josh? I, I'm feeling good, Andy. Uh, here's to the end of the world, buddy. Here it is, buddy. It's, uh, I couldn't think of a better pal to spend it with. Uh, good luck in Houston. Uh, give them hell. Thanks a lot, man. I, I'm looking forward to uh, having a good time and, and getting back to L.A. So 
So we can do another one of these again soon. Great. Uh, please find Hotpocalypse, Facebook, Twitter, uh, 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 SoundCloud, Vimeo, uh, Stitcher. <laughs> we're on every format because apparently you have to be. So uh, we're trying to get the word out about climate and change and uh, our, the level of our doomedness. Please like and follow us and share, uh, uh, share these videos uh, so that we can spread the good word about uh, what's going to happen to us all. Uh, Regardless of what happens, we love you, and thank you for being with us, guys. Josh and I will see you next Thanks week. Thanks a lot. All right. Hotpocalypse. Visit us online at hotpocalypse.com. Music by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com.